Welcome to Informed Aging, a podcast about health, help, and hard decisions for older adults. My name's Robin Roundtree. I'm a former family caregiver, spent four years in the home care industry, and now I'm very happy to work for the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center. My co-host is Edith Gendron. She's the Chief of Operations for the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center. She is a Positive Approach to Care certified trainer and consultant, former family caregiver, and 40-plus years of experience in the industry. Now, the thoughts and opinions expressed belong to Edith and I and our guests, not our wonderful employers and sponsors. If you want to get mad, get mad at us and not at them. Before making any significant changes in your life or your person's life, please consult your own experts. Today, we're talking falls with Dr. Amber Steckel. Stay tuned. Senior Helpers is the only home care agency offering a revolutionary new way to approach senior care, the Life Profile Assessment. This data-based app is a crucial tool in helping seniors age safely and successfully at home. Combined with our proven in-home care programs and trained caregivers, Senior Helpers Life Profile is leading the way to better outcomes for our clients. For more information, log on to SeniorHelpers.com. For over 37 years, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, ADRC, has served as a Central Florida-based grassroots nonprofit and community resource center. They are dedicated to providing support and hope for families and individuals caring for someone they love who is living with Alzheimer's disease or other dementia-related illnesses. ADRC empowers caregivers with the knowledge, support, skills, and strategies they need to help them confidently prepare for the challenges that lie ahead. To learn more, visit the website adrccares.org. We are back. Our guest today is Dr. Amber Steckel. How are you? I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Well, thanks for coming in. And tell me about your doctor. It says doctor of physical therapy. I haven't heard that before. Yep. So that is a clinical doctorate. It's not a PhD. Okay. So it's a graduate program. It's a three-year program after the four-year undergrad. Oh, so you really know your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So not just a physical therapist. You're a doctor of physical therapy. It's it's been a progression from a bachelor's to a master's. And now pretty much I believe all schools are only offering a doctorate at this point. Now, we met uh, about a year or so ago. And I loved your passion and you love the seniors. And I said, well, we need to talk about falls. I was like, I'll bring some statistics, Amber. And you had a very good point. What's that? I actually prefer not to talk about scary statistics. I think most people are well aware of the statistics because we hear them all the time on commercials. And I rather just talk about the game plan. Let's make an assessment and do the game plan rather than throwing around more fear because it's already such a scary topic. Right. And a fall is just something that just happens out of the blue. It's not like you wake up one day and say, well, today I'm going to do something that's really going to screw things up in my life. So let's talk about how can we prevent that. And this is everybody from me walking around in my heels, sometimes (laughs) not seeing a rock in my path. Um, So what can we do to prevent ourselves from succumbing to gravity? So first, I want to touch on what you just said. Falls happen at every age. Falls Mm -hmm. are part of life to an extent. What is not normal and what we want to be cautious of is we don't want to assume that just because we're getting older that we fall more and that's normal. A lot of people think that because because it's such a frequent occurrence, people start to think, oh, it's just normal. 
So what is normal is as we age, our strength does go down, our balance does go down, but we can do a lot to maintain that uh, more so than we often think. And um, we shouldn't be falling more often just because we're aging. Okay, good point. Really good point. So then to answer your question of how do we prevent falls? To prevent falls 100%, I don't think is realistic, Mm -hmm. uh, but what we do is manage our fall risk. And so the four top components that are the first place to start, and this is almost every resource in the U.S. Um, This is also with international initiatives of fall prevention. The place to start is regular exercise, home safety, get your vision checked, get your medications reviewed. That's a super good place to start. And beyond that, there's a hundred things that could put you at risk of falling. So you can really get into the weeds. But the other idea is thinking of it as a team approach with you as the captain. So you really want to have a physician on board, a pharmacist, a PT to look at the strength and balance component, an OT to look at the home safety. If there's mild cognitive impairment or dementia, we want a speech therapist on board an eye doctor, and the list goes on. So it, it is a team approach. I encourage everyone, start small mm-hmm. because it can be overwhelming. And oftentimes people are already overwhelmed with doctor's appointments and just not really knowing where to start. So I love to take all those complex topics and just the number of topics and kind of simplify it for people and give them kind of peace of mind about Okay, what is the very next action step? And just kind of take it one thing at a time. So vision, obviously, if you can't see things, then you might trip over them. So that makes sense, but not a natural thing for me to think of with fault prevention. I learned a very interesting thing. I I started asking everyone I could about, do you have a fear of falling? And if they said yes, I said, when did it start? And really tried to get into when it started. And To my surprise, my aunt actually told me, you know, my vision is really bad at night, so I'm a lot more scared of falling at night than I am during the day. I know another woman that said she has terrible depth perception. Mm. So there's a lot of different things that can go on with your eyes. As for the medications, they, they used to say they call it polypharmacy when you're taking five or more medications. They used to say that that alone was a fall risk factor. Now there's New research coming out that they're called fall risk increasing drugs, and the acronym is FRIDS. Uh, So if you're on two or more FRIDS, that are these are classes of drugs that really heighten the risk of falling, um, then you could be at a fall risk. But some of these drugs are for your blood pressure. So it is about, like I said at the beginning, managing your fall risk. So is would it be better to be on this drug that keeps your blood pressure where it should be, but be at a little higher risk of falling or to not take it and risk your blood pressure being too high. So definitely talk to your doctors and your pharmacist. Uh, A lot of people don't know you can just bring your medication list or take all your bottles Mm -hmm. to your pharmacist and have them do a medication review, tell you are there any interactions that you should be aware of, but definitely talk to your doctor, your specialist. I don't think this is a conversation that you can have too many times. You can talk to your primary, your cardiologist, get everyone's opinion, and then ultimately it's your decision what you want to do. But I always tell people, talk to your doctors about 
a medication reconciliation, they call it, where you just can maybe decrease the dosage if it's safe. Well, we've talked before about the beers list um, with elder adults. (laughs) So now we also need to go over the Fred's list. And the beers criteria is great. That's another, those guys pair those together for. So we will link to both of those in the comments so you can find them. One of the things that I've noticed definitely with polypharmacy, and again, my poor sainted mother-in-law, oh my, oh goodness. She has an increasing number of falls, and it seems to be we've narrowed it down to when she tries to pivot or twist or change direction. So we've tried to make her more alert to that. Please always have your shoes on, and I mean good-fitting low shoes, that kind of stuff. Good idea? Doesn't make a difference? Yes. Yes. So you're giving her great advice. Most people do fall while they're in motion. 90% of people fall while they're in motion. So you really want to be treating someone in a similar way to their mechanism of falling. And by that, I mean, seated exercises are great. But if you're falling while you're walking and pivoting, we should be doing some balance training and strengthening around walking and pivoting and turning. Um, So footwear is super important. And, you know, it could be a vestibular issue. A lot of times when you turn the head, that can bring in the vestibular system. Would you Um, put that in plain words for me? (laughs) So the vestibular system is basically it's located. You have one organ on each side right by your ear. It's kind of a lot of people use it synonymously with your inner ear. And what that does is tell any time that you move your head, it tells your brain where your head is in space. Uh, So that's why a lot of times when you're walking and someone might call your name and you quickly turn and look over your shoulder or you're just walking through the neighborhood and you get distracted by a bird or a dog and you have to quickly turn your head, you can kind of veer side to side. That's normal to an extent. This also happens. I don't know if you guys know anyone that has talked about the crystals in their ears getting knocked out. That is part of your vestibular system and that can cause vertigo. Uh, which is where the room feels like it's spinning around you, which can then cause nausea. And that is a huge fall risk factor if you have anything wrong with your vestibular system. I don't know if she has any issues with numbness or tingling on her feet or neuropathy, but that can be another thing anytime you're turning and walking. She has severe, and I'm going to say uh, lymphedema, really, really poor. Poor, poor, and that's poor. a swelling of the leg. Yeah, like little, not little, big tree trunks, okay. like to the point where it interferes in the clothing she wears. Yeah, wow. So then that could make her legs feel heavier, more difficult to move them quickly when you're having to react quickly with that balance. So it might be hard for her to catch herself if she does lose her balance, and then it also any swelling can definitely affect your sensation and your ability to feel, which then affects your balance. So. Again, multifactorial. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. yeah. always many, many complex, yeah. right? Our bodies mm-hmm. are complex. Yeah. And so are the problems that we yes. develop. Yes. So you talked about a, a fall prevention. What's the word I'm looking for? Assessment. Assessment. Thank you. I want to make sure we're on the same page. Yes. <laughs> is that something that you do? Yes. Okay. That is something I do. It's not something I've always done. Okay. Um, in the past, I would have said I did it and I would have really been honestly thinking I do. (laughs) Because we have there 
And so I'm kind of saying this facetiously. So in physical therapy, we have a lot of testing. They're objective. They're standardized measures to assess fall risk. So I can test you and say, are you at low risk, medium risk, or high risk of falling? Okay. Beyond that, it's like, okay, a lot of times you don't need to do a fancy test to see someone's at risk of falling. But the question is, what are you going to do about it? When I say that now I do fall prevention, so the place I really started was the CDC has a great tool called the STEADY. And it's a cute little acronym, being steady on your feet. And really, it's to prevent injury falls and and things like that in older adults. And so their primary component, their model is three steps. You screen for fall risk. If they come up for fall risk, you do an in-depth assessment, and then you intervene where necessary. So screen, assess, intervene. So it really creates a, a good framework instead of just, okay, you come to me for balance and I treat you for fall risk. We get you strong. So yes, we are doing fall prevention assessment. And in our normal course of therapy, I'm sure that footwear, sensation, a lot of these components would come up. But now that I've started using this framework and kind of seen just fall prevention is a huge world. And I'm I'm learning so much all the time that I've really taken my fall as risk assessment to the next level. And this is a really good place to start. And so this is where the CDC, you know, you start with exercise, home safety, vision, medications, check your vitamin D levels, check your footwear, and check your orthostatic hypotension. I might be missing one or two. So those are the components that you assess. From there, you intervene. So that's like the basic framework that I think is a really good starting point. Beyond that, there, like I said, there's hundreds of fall risk factors and start with the top priorities and then over time, address so the rest. If you're just scared, you're at a certain age and you're like, I do not want to have that major fall that causes me to spiral down. You can't prevent everyone. But can they call their doctor? Do they call you? How do you get started on this assessment? Yes, either, both. Start with what you're able to. It really, like I said, it's a team approach. And you can go to your doctor. Florida, we're a direct access state, so you actually don't need an order from your doctor to go to a physical therapist. So you can just call a physical therapist and tell them, hey, I really am scared that I might be at high risk of falling and breaking something. I want to work on that. And then from there, it will just evolve. Another great place to start is there are fall prevention classes that are oftentimes free, sometimes a small charge, but it depends. A matter of balance is a really good one. There's another one called Stepping On, and those are seven to eight week programs that cover fall prevention, all topics underneath that. That being said, nowadays, you can get so many great, there's so many great resources online. So you can go on YouTube, just start learning about fall prevention. But those community-based fall prevention classes are a really good way to just educate yourself because a lot of people, they don't know why they're falling and they don't know where to start. So the more you educate yourself, the more you will start to learn why you specifically are falling and then what you can do about it. Um, And then if you're someone that you just know yourself very well and that stuff is kind of 
difficult for you to understand because it is there's a lot of information. You might ask friends, family to help you kind of tackle and and really prioritize things so that you're not getting lost in the weeds or overwhelmed. Because like I said, uh, a lot of my clients that I work with are overwhelmed emotionally, physically. They have busy schedules still. Um, And then a lot of those busy schedules are full of doctor's appointments. So Mm. don't overwhelm yourself with it. Ask for help. There's a lot of people that have the same fears and you can kind of band together. That's another benefit of those community-based fall prevention classes is that it just sparks really good connection and discussion around people that have the same fears as you. I love that. I love that. So I've done my fall prevention, but here we go. I think I'm going to fall. You have about half of a split second. Is there a good way to fall and a bad way to fall? That is such a great question. Yes. So the way that you fall can actually uh, put you at greater risk of fracturing your hip or a bone than your bone density, believe it or not. Wow. I just found this out this year. And bone density is important. So osteoporosis, osteopenia, definitely a fall risk factor. But if you fall on your side and towards the back, so not directly on your side, not directly straight back, but on your back and to the side, like straight on your hip, that's the worst. That's the worst. That's the most likely to get a fracture on your hip. Um, If you fall directly on your side, directly forward or directly backward, that actually puts you at less risk of fracture. There's some people that are really good at tucking and rolling. They just have a great instinct to tuck and roll, get low to the ground and kind of do, you're almost pivoting as you go down and tuck your head so you don't hit your head. That can be a good way to prevent falls. I know uh, I'm, I fracture. try to do hands first. Yep. So hands first is not bad. Right. If you do have osteoporosis of the wrist, then you could be at a risk of fracturing uh, your wrist. Yeah. But you would protect your head. It would absorb a lot of the shock and you wouldn't probably, you probably would absorb enough of the force to not fracture your hip, would, which would be worse than fracturing your wrist. Right. I can attest to how quickly it happens. Personal mm. experience, moving quickly, really quickly through a hospital corridor. There were no handrails along the wall. And the only explanation I have, I had um, a bag over my left shoulder and my hand holding the strap. So picture that. Mm-hmm. And my right arm was tucked close to my body and I was just kind of just really moving along. And the only way I can say it is my right shoe stuck. You know how sometimes mm. you just, boom, you hit it. And before I knew it was happening, I was on my face on the floor. I did break my elbow. Oh, I was more concerned about my my face. Right. I thought, oh my god, I broke my nose because boy, did it hurt. Oh, I'm um, sure. And then my spouse socks on wooden stairs, right? Right. Oh. Socks on wooden stairs, and then I mean, all the way down the staircase, didn't break the fall because they didn't want to let go of what they were carrying. Mm. So uh. those things happen. If you're falling, drop it and protect yourself. Yeah. And recognize that sometimes you can be moving just too fast. And there was nothing I could do, seriously. I knew I was going down and I mm. did. Yep. Okay. And so in the moment, you might not be able to do much 
because those are some great examples of it can just happen in an instant. Before, if you are kind of planning ahead, there's two things. One is trying to increase your bone density, and that can be done by exercise, especially through lifting weights and even plyometrics, which are jumping. So you're getting that different force through your bones and you can turn that into like a wall push-up but that has a little bit of a spring and then you catch yourself back on the wall as you go into the next push-up that strengthens up your wrist so then when you if you do have a fall your bones are stronger and our bones all of the tissues in our body respond to the stresses that are placed on them so if you're jumping if you're building up your bone density by lifting weights and everything then you'll be at less risk if when you do have that fall. Um, The other way is that you can actually practice falling and practice getting up from the floor. Even if you don't practice falling, you go down to the floor very safely and controlled safely with a family member or therapist. Just getting more comfortable with the floor, call it making friends with the floor again, because a lot of my clients haven't been on the floor in eight years, 10 years. Wow. A long time. So if you can just know, I have two in particular women that I'm thinking of that uh, we had been doing some floor work and they've been getting more and more comfortable just going down to the floor, getting back up uh, in safe ways with furniture next to them, with me coaching them through it. And they ended up having falls and said, you know what? I fell, but number one, I was able to get up almost completely on my own. And I was a lot more confident. I didn't I I wasn't as scared to be down there because I knew, oh, I just did this last week. Yeah. If you haven't been on the floor for 10 years, you're going to have to do a lot of thinking to get back up and you've just fallen. So thinking is not going to be a strong suit. Yeah. 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 And again, you got to have the strength to get yourself off the floor. So it speaks to your weightlifting, to your exercise, to your keeping yourself as fit as possible for your condition and your age. We can all be more fit. Well, if you're listening and you're like, I think I want Dr. Amber Steckle to help me not fall, how do they get in touch with you? So best way is probably on my website is birdnestpt.com. And And the birdnestpt, bird is spelled B-Y-R-D. Yes. And that's kind of in honor of my grandmother, who I never got to meet. Uh, mm. Her middle name was Bird. Aww. And my middle name is her maiden name. So I just feel a connection to her. Nice. Yeah, yeah I like nice. That. So. I like that. So it's Bird with a Y, birdnestpt.com. Yep. Yeah. Medicare. Do you bill Medicare? Yes, I yes. do. Medicare is awesome. That's a great question. A lot of people don't know that this is a benefit that they even have. Mm. So I'm a mobile therapist, so I do outpatient. It's just the same as you went into a clinic, except I come to the home. Medicare bills it, reimburses just the same way. Uh, So it's the 80% covered by Medicare. 20% would be either your supplemental or out-of-pocket. Okay. Good to know. I was telling Robin before we started that I've been struggling with my physician's office for, I think I'm into my sixth week now on a PT referral that's that old. It's like, could you please get this done and dusted and set me up? So yeah, 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 I have piriformis syndrome and it's getting increasingly stronger or worse. So it's like, no, 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 no. We we need to do something. Yeah. So you don't even need a referral. So... Back to your question of why is why is PT a doctorate now? Mm-hmm. A lot of that is because they added a lot of diagnostic 
coursework in there. So you can go straight to a physical therapist. They will have to get a doctor's signature after they evaluate you. So you definitely will still have to have a be under the supervision of a, a physician, but you can go straight to a PT. You can call them up and go today. Well, wait till I tell them then. <laughs> thank you. Good information. Yeah, yes, you. yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And everyone, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, Informed Aging. We'd love some five-star reviews as well. Instagram, you will find us, informed underscore aging, and facebook.com slash informed aging. Today's episode was recorded at Digital Broadcasting's podcast studio. That's it for now. We are looking forward to our next visit.